Hello, everybody. Welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast uh, about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. My name is Michael Katz. I cover Ole Miss, and I'm here with Stefan Kreishnik, who covers Mississippi State. We, we, we've got a lot to talk about, but first, I want to check in. How are you doing, Stefan? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. It was nice to have a game back uh, in Starkville again, kind of slow things down because I had traveled for the AM game and then I traveled, you know, went home, visited family for the bio week. And then um, it was nice to kind of have a normal week before traveling again to Nashville this weekend. But, you know, anytime you get to travel to Nashville, you don't turn that down. Um, always a good time. But um, no, I'm, I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Um, my only advice is I do not recommend ever driving to from Knoxville on three hours of sleep after a game that was delayed due to trash being thrown on the field. Just do not I, recommend Yeah, I made the, I made the, after the bye week, I made the drive from Bloomington on very little sleep and it's about an eight hour drive. So somewhere there around the same range. And um, no, doing the, I, I don't know if I told you last week, but I, I made that drive on like three hours of sleep. And normally I'm not like a, I'm not a caffeine guy. Like I yeah. don't drink guy. Like I'm Never. not. And I, and I pounded a Red Bull. So literally when I got back to like Starkville after this like long drive on three hours of sleep, I'm like amped up on Red Bull. I'm like, I'm never doing this again because my body is not reacting to like literally anything as it should. Yeah, it was, uh, there was not enough caffeine at any given Starbucks to power me through that drive correctly, but I made it. I'm here. Um, and you know, Knoxville was certainly an experience. That was certainly a thing that happened. Um, I, I guess we can, we can start with, 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 and I know we usually start about the other SEC games, but, uh, it, it's hard not to talk about what happened at Neyland stadium, uh, Saturday night, uh, a great game. Ole Miss pulled that one out 31, 26. That is not what anybody's talking about. Uh, everybody is talking about the fans who threw trash on the field. Uh, for half an hour, uh, because they did not like a fourth and 24 spot that came up a yard short. Um, I think they were also a little bit upset because uh, there were a lot of injuries during the game, I think is one way of putting it. Uh, A lot of people just sort of falling over and uh, a lot of booing for that. It happened on both sides. Uh, But, you know, I, I, I turned to everybody in the press box and basically we were like, you know, throwing trash on the field like it happens. It just doesn't happen for 30 minutes straight. Right. Um, a- among one of the most bizarre scenes I've ever covered, and it really kind of overshadowed a great game with 102,000 people there. It's an amazing environment. I- I've never been in a stadium quite like that. Um, I mean, it was it was awesome until there was about one minute left. And then uh it all kind of fell apart uh, i know you were just finishing up your game did did, did, did you get to see uh, any of that thing on uh, developing and i'm curious what your thoughts were on uh, seeing it from afar yeah i i did get i did get a chance to see mo- some of it i saw uh you guys in the slack talking about uh, you and Parrish and you know our other editors talking about um you know there being a debris delay and in my head like I saw that and I was like, that could mean a lot of things. And in my, in my head, I was thinking just like, so I, I've grown up a White Sox fan. I've been to a million White Sox games and it's pretty frequent that like windy city, it'll get windy and like hot dog wrappers are going to fly on the field. Like, you know, stuff like that just happens sometimes. So in my head, I was thinking, I was like, 
a delay for it is kind of weird, but like, you know, maybe like, you know, maybe the world's biggest gust of wind came through Neyland. And, um, and then I was very surprised later to see, after, it was right around when I finished writing my Mississippi State stuff that I saw you continue tweeting about this delay. And I was like, at first I was concerned about your deadline. I wasn't even concerned about what's going on. I was like, what, what's going on with Michael? That was my, so I mean, in, that was, that was my first thing. That was my first thought too. <laughs> right. So I went and checked your Twitter and I saw like you actually tweeting about like, you know, people throwing trash and all this and that. So immediately I turned out the game um, and to, to John Pitts, I, I made sure I finished writing before I turned on the game. And, um, and I was just watching. So by the time I turned it on, they started playing again. It was literally as Ole Miss had the ball again after the, fourth down stop or whatever you want to call it and i was thinking in my head about like geez that's like the first thing i was thinking i was like like they got to get lane and old miss's players like off the field like it's got to be like one of those situations like we've seen it in basketball games before when like you know like a kentucky is about to lose and you know a team's about to storm the court that they'll literally like the five guys who are playing and then like they will clear the bench like, everyone will go to the locker room and we'll get those five guys out like that's what i was thinking i was like do you leave like Lane and like 11 guys out there and just everyone else go back to the locker room because I mean we saw when Lane did walk off the field it was not safe um thankfully as far as I know nothing really bad happened with the players um and it yeah and then just seeing it continue again after the delay a little bit and um I mean Lane handled it in the most Lane way possible like doing it in this like monotone voice but saying like the funniest like backhanded stuff like um you know but he, he handled it well and I think Ole Miss handled it well and Tennessee's administration handle it about as well as you can um i mean i'm not gonna get into the details of tennessee fans and um tennessee fans have a very bad reputation among sec schools and um the majority of people you ask who the worst fan base in sec football is a lot of them are going to say tennessee whether they're they're right or wrong that's i'm not going to give my opinion on that um you know i've dealt with tennessee fans in the past when indiana played in the gator bowl a couple years ago I didn't have any run-ins with them. Now that other reporters, that other, you know, Indiana people, that's, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, chime in on that because I don't know. So I won't chime in my opinion on that, but most of the time when a reputation exists, it's there for a reason. It might not still be true, but it existed for a reason at some point. Um, it, it's incredibly embarrassing scene. Like you said, to, to ruin, um, I mean, that's a great night for Tennessee. And even if Tennessee had come away with the win, that's still going to stand. Like you staying that night, regardless of the result. And that was, that was a huge night for Tennessee to have 102,000, to, to have the checker out. To, I mean, it was, it was an outstanding night that um, it's a shame it got tarnished like that. And, um, you know, the repercussions probably are what they are. Like there's nothing you can do at this point to make up for that. Like Tennessee has money. If Tennessee's paying a fine, it doesn't matter to Tennessee. Like, ten- Tennessee is going to send a nice McDonald's bag of money over to the SEC if they were sorry for what happened. So, um, yeah, it's just it's a terrible look for college football. It's a terrible look for Tennessee and, you know, in any attempt to kind of fix that reputation that they have. Um, it's, you know, as a college football fan, um, I don't care what team is playing. Um, I hate that. As a sports fan, I hate that. I literally don't, like, I don't care you could have made the worst call in human history. Like, like that, like you, you could say that's a bad call, but that's not like the worst call ever. Like I'm talking like Saints, like past interference. And I would still say that reaction is just incomprehensible. Like I, I just don't, I, I've been a fan of sports my entire life and been a fan of Chicago teams and gone to all these games. Never in my life have I like gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what, like this is my reaction. Like we've seen it way too many times in sports. Um, it's really disturbing. And it, it sucks that it ruined a really good game like that. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, if, if people, it got to a point where we were asking, like, wait, like, why did they start throwing trash in the first place? It, it's like, like, we forgot about everything that led up to it. Right. Was this right. amazing game. Again, it was a fourth and 24 that literally came up into short that, you know, kind of sealed the game for Ole Miss, even though Tennessee got another shot. And okay, o- Ole Miss isn't normal. Like, we, we, we talked about this. Mississippi State is the straight, is like the strangest team in college football. Ole Miss is the chaos team. They make everything <laughs> chaos. And even Lane Kiffin was like, yeah, we're just dramatic. So, right. um, but you know, it's, it's, everybody just remembers the golf ball that was thrown in Lane's direction and uh, the bottle of mustard uh, that I don't so know weird. why someone had that. Uh, and the Somebody bottle. From, is- some like Tennessee fan from Chicago who like no ketchup, only mustard is, is who did that. <laughs> And then uh, bottles of what I think were dip spit. Lane said there were bottles of brown stuff thrown. Right. He made a joke that they wouldn't waste moonshine on him, which was hilarious. I'm probably I'm, true. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I'm imagine no one's wasting booze. Um, I, but I, I, I imagine it was my, my head went to dip spit as yeah. ter- in terms of first. Uh, First thoughts, but it was an amazing game, a, a, a big win for Ole Miss. I knew it was going to be one of those crazy games where weird things were going to happen. And this is a game that I think Ole Miss in previous years loses. Um, but they came through their defense. Actually, you know, they only gave up 26 points to Tennessee, who's averaging 41. Um, they actually did a pretty good job. And, um, you know, they're – uh, I, it's not something we said a lot of lately, but they actually, you know, ma- made the plays they needed to. And it's, it, it's a shame that one of the really great games, one of the really great, great atmospheres was kind of tarnished by just one. Is, of that, the a, is that a scoreless fourth quarter in that game? Uh, no, it was. I it was pretty say, low scoring though. Yeah. I want to say Tennessee's the only, I think they scored a touchdown and that was it. It uh, was, um, you know, I remember I remember uh, watching college game day th- that morning, and um, and they were talking about how the over under like eighty two was like one of the highest like pregame like over unders ever set. And in my head, I was thinking, I was like, like any time it's set like that, it's not going to live up to it. And it didn't. I mean, what was it thirty one twenty six? Like to betting to betting people out there who want to listen to me, who's I mean, I would probably lose. <laughs> I have lost any bet that I've like ever placed. That's what it feels like sometimes. But um, any time a line is set like that, like you know, regress to the mean, regress to the mean. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Tennessee there, I mean, there were only Ole Miss scored one touchdown in the second half and, and Tennessee scored two. I mean, it was not this like crazy explosion of points. It was just a really dramatic game with right. a lot of momentum swings, especially toward the end. And um, you know, a lot of stuff happened uh, uh, other than the trash incident. And that's just kind of what we focused on. Right. It kind of sucks that a great game was tarnished. The, the other storyline coming out of there, uh, is Matt Corral. Matt carried the ball 30 times for 195 yards. He threw for 231 and a couple of touchdowns. You know, you can tell Matt Corral to slide. And he, as he said, fight or flight is going to take over and he's going to fight for every yard. And uh, he, he did leave the game uh, for a play uh, and toward the end there. Um, uh, he did come back in for that last drive. Uh, but, you know, Ole Miss is very mum uh, on injuries. But Lane said today he, he did not sound optimistic uh, about about Matt and, uh, you know, him playing against LSU. And he said he's not in very good shape right now. And, uh, you know, he's hoping he will, but it's not looking very good. Uh, there is a very big part of me that does not believe that for a second. 
Um, I, I would be hard pressed to to imagine Matt Corral not playing against LSU, especially since he mainly because he came back in the game. If he had been out the rest of the game, that might be one thing. But he came back in and he was running around uh, after the injury. But it is of note when when Lane says something like that. Um, I know Ed Orgeron, current maybe head coach at LSU. I don't know what you want to call him. We'll get into that later. Uh, thinks it's a smokescreen. Um, there's a, a lot of things going on, but you know, if Matt was unable to play, that would be pretty huge. He's, 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 he's having a year for the ages. He's, you know, he's got, uh, 14 passing touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns and two turnovers to, uh, total. He's, he's putting the, he's putting all Miss on his shoulders and, and it would be pretty huge. Uh, uh, if he was unable to go this weekend. Yeah. I mean, pretty huge. I mean, he's, you know, one of the top two favorites to win the Heisman right now. If you're playing without him, I don't care how good um, your team or your coaching staff is. If you're, um, if you don't have Matt Corral right now, you're in uh, big trouble. Yeah. So that, that will definitely be something to kind of monitor as the week goes on. Again, I, I don't know how much we're going to know before we get out there, you know, Saturday afternoon and see warmups and stuff. Um, again, they're, they're going to play pretty close to the vest, but it is something to, to keep an eye on when, when Lane says something right. like that. Uh, just a reminder that you can follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcasts. You can also follow our coverage at djournal sports on Twitter or in the Mississippi State discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick and the Old Miss discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz Facebook groups. Stefan, let's get to your game. Uh, I know uh, Alabama was dead. They, they, the, the dynasty was over. And then they did what they do. Kind of, kind of, kind of take me through that game. I think people were kind of uh, uh, optimistic that uh, that the that the Mississippi State defense was was, was going to hold its own. What, what, what were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, um, you know, going to the Alabama Nick Saban thing first. Parrish wrote a pretty good column on that after the game about you know remembering when he was still covering Ole Miss full time and um, you know what some national writer was on the phone with his editors talking about how there might be chinks in the armor of. Um, you know, Nick Saban and the dynasty. And then I think they went on to like win, you know, the next 30 national titles or something like that. Um, no, I mean, I, I think everyone, let's be honest, if anyone thought Alabama was not a legitimate title contender after that loss to Texas A&M, I mean, they're probably out of their mind. Like said, Alabama is very much Alabama. And, and, and from watching Alabama, man, that offense is freaking loaded, man. Like Mississippi State's defense didn't do great. And their tackling was probably the worst tackling performance of the year. Like, Get that out of the way. The Mississippi State defense was not good. But, geez, the, I mean, any time Mississippi State brought pressure against Bryce Young, which they said they did a lot more because um, that's what worked for Texas A&M, I mean, he just had answer after answer. I mean, you, if I was watching that game, you know, just a blind, blind to, to any information, um, I, I would have never guessed that he was a true sophomore. I mean, the plays you were making were just outstanding with the speed, with his arm with his eyes. I mean, just, just outstanding player overall and having those weapons around him. I mean, geez, it, it, it's gotta be pretty irritating for college football fans. Um, when you see Devonte Smith and Waddle and Mac Jones all leave for the NFL draft and they just come back literally as proficient as ever. Like it's, it's just incredible to see that. Um, you know, people expected Mississippi state's defense to keep Mississippi state in the game a little bit. Um, but the offense didn't contribute. I mean, it was just about as big of a letdown as all sides of the ball. Maybe, I mean, this might have been the one game where special teams maybe played the best for Mississippi State, and that's a special teams unit that's um, been pretty bad this year. Um, 
I mean, no touchdown speaks for itself. You know, this is two straight years where Mississippi State hasn't had a touchdown um, against Alabama. Nobody expected Mississippi. I mean, people, some people expected Mississippi State to keep it close, but to lose by 40, um, you know, a, a lot of that I felt was a testament to, like, like when Alabama went up 40, that's when I was like, this is Nick Saban coming off a loss because Alabama was doing just Alabama things to get to like, you know, a 30 point lead, a 20 point lead. Like those are, that was just Alabama having more talent than Mississippi state where you see the two teams separate is that Mississippi state's down big to Alabama and judge Johnson admitted at times that, um, um, you know, just seeing the, the logo on the other side, the A of, of Alabama kind of, you know, maybe fended off uh, Mississippi state a little bit. Um, but, but we're, you know, the great teams separate themselves from, you know, teams that are either rebuilding or just young teams or teams that are just in Mississippi State's position right now, whatever, whatever you want to call Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State takes its foot off the pedal and says, you know what, like there's no way to come back. Um, it, it kind of feel, felt like they slowed down um, just in terms of effort. And I mean, Alabama was just foot on the gas. And that's where I was like, all of these players know, all these Alabama players know that if they take their foot off the pedal in the fourth quarter, and even if they win by 30, Nick Saban is going to let them hear it. And that's where, that's where I was like, this is, this is like Alabama coming off a loss. Everything they did in the first three quarters was Alabama. This fourth quarter is Alabama coming off a loss. To go up 40, that was Alabama coming off a loss. Um, you know, similar to Matt Corral, Will Rogers suffers an injury, um, which Andy Costco from the Clearing Ledger has reported to be um, an AC sprain in his right shoulder joint. Um, I mean, he finished out the game like Matt Corral, which was interesting because Mississippi State was down 40, so definitely something to kind of keep an eye on there. Um, but it th- does feel like um, Will Rogers should be available um, for Saturday's game at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I know Vandy's not the toughest opponent, but let's say, um, you know, if this was Tennessee, East Tennessee State or whoever Mississippi State is playing on in that last non-conference game, maybe then you can kind of take your foot off the pedal and not play Will Rogers. It kind of feels like Will uh, will be in. I know he was optimistic after the game um, that that he'd be playing, um, from what I heard. And um, yeah, it's just um, about it, it was a combination of Mississippi State playing about as poorly as it has all year, and Alabama just playing with absolute no regard for human life. And you get that combination. That's where you get your forty-nine to nine score. Yeah, uh, it sounds like Will Anderson was just an absolute man among boys. Uh, and he, he was the same way against Ole Miss. What, what, what were your thoughts on him? I, there's some talk that he might be the best defensive player in basketball. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there's a serious – I mean, I, I, Lane said that, you know, that guy's got potential to be the first overall pick, and there's real substance to Lane saying that. I mean, that wasn't Lane, you know, trying to hype up his own competition. That was Lane being very honest. I mean, there's I, – I can't imagine there's a better um, – linebacker right now in college football. I mean, Georgia's got a stack defense. They got some players. Um, but to have a single player like Will Anderson, I I don't know if there's anyone else in the league. I mean, like, to, to see where he goes in the draft will be interesting because that kind of depends on, like, a team. It, it kind of feels like usually whoever's the first overall pick needs a quarterback because that's why they're, you know, the worst team in the NFL. But, man, you kind of take that um, Cleveland Browns approach. And, you know, when Miles Garrett is available, you take Miles Garrett. When Will Anderson's available, you, you take Will Anderson. Um, you know, it, it, he's a stud, man. And uh, Mississippi State um, right right tackle Scott Lashley is actually a transfer from Alabama. I mean, he hasn't been good all year. Really had his work cut out for him. 
I know a lot of people are upset that, um, you know, Leach kind of has that commitment to the air raid offense and, and his running backs, you know, he didn't, he didn't like, he, he didn't bring in an extra running back as much as you would want to kind of help block on that right side. And I think that was kind of part of it. I think uh, Leach maybe had a lot to, um, Leach and the coaching staff were, were to blame almost as much as um, Scott Lashley and the offense line were, but man, Will Anderson's a real deal. And it kind of feels like even if they had an extra guy blocking over there, four sacks, I mean, it, when, when you read a stat, and um, it's a positive stat, not like, a, you know, this guy had a million turnovers type stat. When you read a stat and it's like, this guy is only the third Alabama player to ever do this in a single game. I mean, yeah, that speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, they've had some pretty good ones come through there. So uh, when, when you get not that. Bad. I mean, it's not like not really a team known so much for like having provide, you know, for providing NFL draft picks. But, but for a program so low key like Alabama, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, you know, the scrappy upstart <laughs> Alabama. Right. Exactly. Uh, just you know, go going to to uh, around the SEC, uh, sort of staying where where we were though. Um, you know, uh, LSU is is who Ole Miss plays this week. They had one of the most bizarre situations ever. They upset Florida, which I don't think many people gave them much of a chance to. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of not having a chance, we'll get to Auburn. Um, but yeah, and you know, after that they lost to Kentucky, I don't think anyone really gave uh, you know, LSU much of a chance. And here they go; they upset them. And then the very next day, it's announced that at Ordron isn't coming back, but he's finishing the season as the coach. And they hold this bizarre joint press conference. Uh, really, one of the weirdest spectacles possible. Um, I, I, what are your thoughts on, on what is happening at LSU right now? I, it, this, this does not happen very often. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they want to do like the Derek Jeter retirement tour type thing for Ed Orgeron, which with, with, let's start with this. I mean, Ed Orgeron deserves his respect at LSU. They won a national title and, you know, that was a huge deal. And I know that team was stacked, but like he was the head coach of possibly the greatest college football team of all, of all time in the single season. You got to give them respect to that. And I, and I get that. If that's what they're trying to do, I get that. But the situation of just having a coach on the sideline who you know is, is getting fired. I mean, this we've seen this sometimes in bowl games where, you know, you go through December, you need someone to accept the job somewhere else because they want to finish out um, the season. But that's usually kind of a, a situation with assistant coaches, like the offensive coordinator at Indiana a couple of years ago, Kalen LeBoer got the head coaching job at Fresno State, a really good Fresno State team now. Um, he, like, finished their bowl out with Indiana. And it's just um, – it's weird. It doesn't feel right. And especially, like, seeing all the details that have come out. I mean, just um, – you know, I'm a Brody Miller fan because he went to Indiana. I mean, his, his story pretty athletic was just incredible, diving into all these details. I mean, that's just incredible reporting. As, as, a, nerd, as a journalism nerd, you kind of geek out reading that kind of stuff. Um, but – Man, like for all that to be going on and for him to be finishing out season, it's just so weird. And him like doing that press conference and, you know, having the athletic director right next to him and just talking about how things are fine. But, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be back next year. I have enough money. I'm just going to take the year off, like all this and that. Well, like like he's preparing for Ole Miss. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know how as an athletic director. You know, I mean, Orgeron said that they're going to fight just like normal. I get that. And I respect that if, if that's the case. But, like, as an athletic director, do you trust that? Like, there's already players kind of starting to get into the transfer portal. Like, it, it's setting up for a really weird situation. I'm surprised that they didn't just have someone as an interim head coach. But their whole coaching staff, especially the coordinators, 
has been so weird the past couple of years. Like, who do you even put in that spot? Like, you put your like director of ops as a head coach because that's the most like sturdy position there. It's it's really weird how it all, how it's all shaken out. But apparently, Orgeron knew about this, and LSU knew about this before the Florida game. So, I mean, if they did that against Florida, maybe this is what they should have done the whole time. Like, the moment they won the national title, they should have been like, hey, Ed, we're going to fire you in two years, so just go coach. And then, you know, maybe they would be good if that's, that's what it took. Um, but what a weird situation, man. Leach, uh, I asked Leach about it today. You can talk about what Lane said. Um, I asked Leach about it. Leach said, uh, I don't have any thought on it. Didn't really say much. He's like, I'm focused on Vanderbilt. So, Leach, um, uh, people have responded and said, wow, the first time Leach hasn't had a thought on something. It's like, yep, <laughs> he's, he's not sharing. Maybe at some point he will. But the thing with Leach is week to week, he could end up just sharing something at some point. Um, but no, he didn't have much of a thought on it. But I know you can go ahead. I know Lane expanded on it a little bit today. I know. And obviously Lane had this connection for that whole situation. Yeah. So uh, but before I get into that, I, I, I do need to say that the screen caps from that press conference look like a hostage video. <laughs> <laughs> like I was worried, like there was something malicious happening there. The handshake, just all of it, just looked so weird. But um, yeah, Lane, obviously, you know, he he and he and Edward John go way back from their time uh, at USC and, and whatnot. They're they, they've they've been friends for a long time, and um, you know, it, it was interesting because when I asked Lane about it, he he was you know he he gave the sort of you know I don't know all the details, but it's just kind of crazy that they beat Florida and then this happens and. You know, I, we passed the microphone and then he started up again. He was like, I just want to finish with, you know, it's just crazy how in this business, you know, it's not what have you done for me lately? It's what have you done for me Saturday? And he kind of went into just how kind of insane uh, the, the coaching business is and how it's it really is just moment to moment on on. Are you the flavor of the week right now? Are you the flavor of the minute? It's. Uh, you know, he, he's been on that, he's been on that carousel too. Uh, you know, he got left on a tarmac in Los Angeles or in, uh, in, in Arizona, at USC. Um, you know, it, it, he actually, he gets some really interesting insight. I'm glad he did. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a, an absolutely, you know, but I will say Ed Orgeron is probably the greatest interim head coach of all time. He does have a track record uh, as an interim. So uh, they're, they're probably going to finish out the year and go to the playoff. That's just how this works. Um, I saw ahead. a tweet. Yeah, I know you're a USC guy, that being a South California guy. Not, we're not doing um, this. We're not doing this. Is, is the LSU job more lucrative than a USC right now? I don't know. That, that I mean – selfishly that was the first thing i thought i was like man usc has competition now for the best head coach <laughs> um, that's where my head immediately went um yeah i don't know it, it, it's interesting because usc has dealt with a lot outside of the athletic department in the last few years right. um they, they 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 don't want to make a sketchy hire lsu has a lot going on in its athletic department right now with some pretty you know severe allegations and whatnot um, and you know, I, I'm not sure where, where they're going to go. Their athletic director has typically made really splashy hires. Um, okay. I'm not sure where USC is on that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that they want to make the, the bad PR move. So uh, I think in a lot of ways, LSU, I mean, listen, the last three coaches there have won national championships. It doesn't happen <laughs> at many places. Um, you know, USC's had like 15 coaches since Pete Carroll left. Um, so, you know, I, I, in a lot of ways, I think LSU is, is the, is, I hate to say it in a better job because I think that they're maybe worried about the, the PR part of it a, a little bit less, 
but USC is a, a very hungry private school that uh, I think is anxious to, to get things back on track. It's, it's going to be an insane few months of the coaching carousel. Uh, I don't know how, I mean, if you had asked me three years ago, who would get fired first, Will Wade or Ed Orgeron? I mean, how does Will Wade still have a job there, man? It's insane. He, he, he like, he, this has like extension for him written all over it too. Like that's how, right. it, that's how this works. Whatever. So the people that are watching the video and not listening, um, I just rolled the eyes out of the back of my head. Yeah, they actually, that, so. yeah, you can see behind They're me. They're stuck there now. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we did have a sicko game of, of the week, Vanderbilt, South yeah. Carolina. I don't know if you got to watch yeah. it. It was actually an amazing uh, game, and we got the grad assistant quarterback come in and lead the, the drive. Just kind, kind of mustache. Give, yeah, give, give me your thoughts on that one. Did, did you get to watch any of that? It, it, it was the game right before us. Yeah, I saw I saw the highlights. I didn't get to watch too much of it, but I saw the highlights because I was interested in um, you know what Vandy did. That's Mississippi State's upcoming opponent to uh, uh, be competitive. I mean, shout out to Vandy for being competitive. Their defense played pretty well. I mean, granted, you know the competition on the other side, but um, it's just like one of those situations where I guess like the game was probably kind of boring, and you know it probably didn't get a lot of ratings and stuff. But like th- those games mean a lot to those you know two teams. I mean, those are games that they need desperately to win. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure neither team is really going to be contending for much of a bowl game. Um, but, man, if you're South Carolina, like, you know, you, you take pride in what you do. And for Beamer, that's a big win. Um, you know, to, to have quarterback step up like that, a grad assistant, and, um, and you know, the whole mustache situation kind of just all fit the look. It went perfectly. Um, ben Portnoy, who I hype up all the time, did a great job reporting on that um, Saturday for the state. Um, yeah, just – it was a sickle game. It lived up to the sickle game standards, but all the sickle games have um, lived up to sickle game standards. So you kind of, um, you know, I take pride in those sickle games. They matter. But, um, you know, we, there's, um, in, in my Q&A with Aria, um, and I'm, I don't know how to, how to pronounce her last name. I feel bad now. Gerson, Gerson. Um, how do you pronounce her last name? I feel bad. Um, but I, nobody knows how to pronounce my last name either. So I can kind of get away with that, right? I, I, I'm nervous every time I say it. um but anyways i I, she covers vanderbilt just about as well as anyone um and i was talking to her for a q a this week and she was saying like you know the the scores don't always represent south carolina score does but uh, the way vandy has played against florida and usc um the south carolina i I, I was uh, i I almost (laughs) i I don't know who was watching this video but my eyes just got real big (laughs) No, no south carolina and florida um you know the with, when you're a coach like Clark Lee and you're taking over, your team needs to have fight. And she said that against Florida and USC, they, they played in a way that, you know, uh, a lot of Vandy teams in the past haven't. Um, that is kind of all you can ask for Vandy at this point of the year. Um, at this point of the rebuild, I should say. That rebuild is going on forever, but I'm talking about specifically Clark Lee's rebuild. Um, yeah, so it was, it was interesting to see them fight like that. I actually think um, Mississippi State's a 23-point favorite. I don't, I don't see them um, – covering that I, I think it's going to be a closer game I think it's going to be kind of an ugly game um, we'll talk about a bit uh, that more a bit on Wednesday when we kind of uh, talk looking forward but um, you know Vandy Vandy showed some things in that game against South Carolina that I don't think um, we have ever really seen in recent years from Vandy playing at a school like South Carolina regardless of how good or bad South Carolina may be uh, I don't know if we really need to talk about Texas A&M Missouri Missouri is really bad 
Um, yeah, Missouri is really bad. I, I don't really know what to, what to make of. And them. I think we we had I think we all had Missouri kind of in like the middle area of the power rankings. Like, I mean, besides much Vandy, worse than I thought. Besides Vandy and South Carolina, is, is anyone in the SEC worth them? Like, would South Carolina beat them? That is going. Okay, to be, I, that I might sound stupid if they've already played each other this year because I don't know honestly, but like, oh, like if they play like right now again, would South Carolina beat them? I don't know. Like. Pretty yeah, what a mess up there, man. Um, you know, it's funny when when we talked about Kentucky Georgia, I think we both basically said Kentucky p- could play a perfect game and still get blown out, and like Kentucky yeah, actually man. played really well, and yep. they, they got blown out. I, I think Georgia is just they're on another level right now. Yeah, it, it's gonna come down to Georgia and, and Alabama. I think surprise. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, what it's know, gonna come I, down I, to. Again, love the scrappy upstarts. Yeah, no, they really, yeah, the, the, the big underdog teams, you always root for them. And, you know, um, you know, I really hope Alabama and Georgia have a chance to take down a team like Cincinnati this year because I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing Cincinnati in, in the top four and running the playoffs. Real David versus Goliath situation. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully uh, hopefully the Crimson Tide can find, you know, use their chip on their shoulder to, to, to prevail and, and give Tuscaloosa something to finally celebrate. Last I've one. Had friends, I've had friends who've gone to Alabama and they haven't witnessed like a national, like they went like a four year stretch of winning a national title. They're like, we might not see a national title this year. And I'm like, okay. Truly tragic. <laughs> Truly tragic. I'm like, I'm so sorry for you and your family. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that is a big thoughts and prayers uh, situation. Yeah, uh, last one, I, I think I need to apologize to Auburn. Um, I am like I am wrong every week on Auburn. They just beat up Arkansas. Um, I, I, what is Auburn? What what do we make of them? I mean, listen, man. I looked at Auburn's schedule after the Arkansas game, and like it's a tough, you know, SEC West schedule. But like, <laughs> they beat Alabama in the final game, and they go to the SEC title game, and they. If they lose to Georgia, I don't think a three-loss Auburn teammate. But, I mean, if they beat Georgia, I mean, it's like this is really weird Auburn getting into the playoff picture. Like, is, is this not setting up for a year where at Auburn they win the Iron Bowl? Oh, like, yeah. It's no. setting up for that. Yeah, no, no. This, the, 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 I mean, the, this has absolute mess potential written on it. It's like it's like kick six five. Yeah, you know, it's I, – I, I, I get freezing cold taked taken or whatever we want to call that a lot no one has frozen me uh more than auburn this year it's like every time i don't think auburn is good they do this um yeah and arson has, has done a, a a a better job than i expected um you know it, it, it was an interesting hire to start with getting rid of gus after all the things gus did there uh, i know he, yeah. he he got a lot of flack but he he had him in a pretty good spot uh in harson I mean, maybe Maybe coach of the year in the SEC. I mean, it's hard to imagine Kirby Smart who might have, you know, the best team in the nation by a wide margin doesn't get that. But Arson's up there in the yeah, conversation. No, he, he, he's, he's, he's done a really nice job. Um, and that I will say that when, when, when Ole Miss plays them, Ole Miss traditionally is very bad at Auburn. And Auburn has beaten them the last five times. I think that is going to be a, a game like Tennessee where yeah. it's, it's going to just be weird. Um, so I, the college football is the best. The SEC is the best. Every week it really is, is, man. Absolute madness. Um, just, you know, what, one last thing. Um, do you think 
Matt Corral has a legit shot at the Heisman Trophy. I, I have this debate with people a lot. I think he does, but it really – do you think a two- or three-loss Ole Miss team can do it? Like, like, like what do you think – how do you think Ole Miss has to finish? So I have my handy-dandy SEC schedule for media days here. So let me look at Ole Miss' schedule real quick after this week. So LSU, Auburn, Liberty, that's going to be the game of the year. Uh, Texas A&M, Vandy, Mississippi State. I mean, they, have they lost two games so far this year? Uh, no, they've only lost one. They've only lost one. So, I mean, so there's a – oh, man. I mean, looking at their schedule, they might – like, they're, they'll probably end up being a two-loss or three-loss team at the worst, right? That's what it kind of feels like right now. I mean, yeah, he, he's absolutely got a chance. His numbers are more impressive than Bryce Young's. Um, yeah. He, I mean, does, does he have a real chance? Yes. Is he going to? Well, okay, he might finish second or third in the voting. But at this point of the season, I'd be fairly surprised to see if he didn't finish top three, you know, as a Heisman finalist. I can't imagine that. I think you should be um, booking trips to New York City real soon here. I've never been to New York, so that would be very exciting. But There you go. Um, uh, it, it's It's – his candidacy reminds me a lot of Robert Griffin's where like Baylor wasn't like a national championship team, but they were really, really good. And they were really fun to watch. That's what it kind of reminds me of. And so I I think if Robert Griffin could do it, I I think Matt, I think Matt can too. It's just, you know, the only, the only guy on a team right now that like has like, like there's no Joe Burrow where it's like, he's playing really good and his team is really good. And there's no competition. Like, I mean, Alabama's good, and Bryce Young is good, but it's not like that. It's not like Bryce Young is running away with it right now, you know? Like, if like if this was Joe Burrow on Alabama, that would be a lot different. But, like, it doesn't – yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like anyone's running away with it right now. Yeah, no, th- th- this is one of those uh, kind of a- anything-can-happen years in college football. And right. I think that's what makes it so dang fun. Absolutely. Um, just a reminder, uh, you can follow our coverage at D-Journal Sports on Twitter or in the Mississippi State – and Ole Miss Facebook groups, Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick for Mississippi State, Parrish Alford, Michael Katz for Ole Miss. Once again, as always, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you on Wednesday.